You are now tuned to the Priority One Subspace Frequency, brought to you by Sayulita.com. Sayulita, Mexico is the closest thing to Planet Risa. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 137 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded Thursday, July 25th, 2013, live on trekradio.net and available for download on PriorityOnePodcast.com the following Monday. I'm Tony. And I'm Elijah. Now, unfortunately, James is out this week. Uh, we've, uh, we've sent him on an away mission to scout a desert planet known to attract several humanoid species dressed in exotic garb. We should hear back from him in about two weeks when we join him on this planet, Las Vegas, for the 2013 Star Trek convention. What? If you haven't already heard the amazing news, our Indiegogo project was a great success. The costs of bringing the bridge of the Enterprise D have been met, and now we're just trying to tie up all the loose ends. As a result, Captains, Priority One will be taking next week off to prepare for the festivities in Vegas. That's right, so no show next week. But stay tuned, because on Thursday, August 8th, we return with a vengeance. And we'll be broadcasting live on trekradio.net from the Star Trek convention and on the bridge of the Enterprise D. Yay! Go team! And go all, all right. you guys out there who chipped in. We just told you guys about it, but really it was... You, each and every one of you that contributed either financially or by retweeting and spreading the word. So thank you all very, very much. All right, Tony, what do we have this week? And this week we trek out a recent development from NASA that's been buzzing all throughout the interwebs for the past few months. In Stone News, there's plenty to cover, including a state-of-the-game address from executive producer Daniel Stahl, some new Romulan ships coming to the game, the latest Dilithium Mine featured project... And we'll highlight the press release from Trek Radio regarding this year's Star Trek Las Vegas festivities. Featured this episode is our on-site interview with Star Trek Online's content lead, Charles Gray. And as always, we'll close the show by opening hailing frequencies and reviewing your incoming messages. Captains, as we've already said, our Indiegogo project was a huge success thanks to you, our listeners. We can now bring the bridge of the Enterprise D to Las Vegas. Captains, our Indiegogo project was a huge success, as we just mentioned. Thanks to you, our loyal listeners, we can now bring the bridge of the Enterprise D to Las Vegas. With the help you provided, the new Starship Endeavor is another step closer to turning the bridge into an interactive museum for generations to come. You'll notice that the Indiegogo plug on our site will return to our regular PayPal donate button. There's a lot we want to do in the coming months, and without your help, it may not happen. But another way you can give to this podcast is by checking out our new Cafe Press store with some amazing Priority One merchandising. Get yourself a Priority One lunchbox, a Priority One t-shirt, a Priority One flamethrower. The kids love that one. It's merchandising. May the Schwartz be with you. Want to chat with the crew of the Priority One whilst in-game? What about while they're at Vegas? Join our open chat channel. To do that, just type forward slash channel underscore join space. Priority One in your chat box in-game. That's forward slash channel underscore join space. Priority One. Keep in mind that you don't have to become a member of the fleet to join the channel. It's just another way you can all reach us. As we mentioned earlier, you can listen to us live on Trek Radio every Thursday at about 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. You can chat live with us in-game, or you can visit trekradio.net and jump on their IRC chat client, which can be found under their community link. But don't forget, next week on August 
first, we will not be recording a live episode, nor will there be an episode on August 5th. But you'll stay tuned because on August 8th, like I said, we come back with a vengeance. Well, let's get ready to trek it out. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. So we got another tip from our favorite technology tipster, Ben Weiss, about this little thing called an Alcubierre warp drive. Many of you are familiar with this little concept, and I've been following it for a while, but I'll give everyone a, a bit of a tour of its history. Miguel Alcubierre is a Mexican physicist who derived some interesting solutions to Einstein's field equations. Now, these are the mathematical rules of the road that make accelerating mass past the speed of light a no-no in our current understanding of physics. But in 1994, Alcubierre tried to argue his way around this cosmic speeding ticket by coming up with a mathematically sound way to move a bubble of space faster than light but keeping the space in the bubble under the speed limit. If you've ever been on a moving sidewalk at an airport, you get the general idea. One little catch. He sort of had to make up things like negative mass and perpetual motion to make the math work. Yeah, on paper, you can do that. In the real world, well, we're back to science fiction. Well, then someone changed the shape of the field generator Alcubierre proposed and reduced uh, the energy requirements from annihilating the mass of a Jupiter-sized planet down to a Volkswagen Beetle. All of a sudden, this idea goes from a fun brain teaser to a testable theory. And this is where it gets interesting. Right now, at NASA, they are running experiments that are looking for the, quote, Chicago pile moment. Now, this was the experiment that proved controlled nuclear fission was possible. In late 1942, the first controlled nuclear reaction hit a whopping 0.5 watts of power. A year later, it was 8 million watts. So what Dr. Harold Sonny White and his team are trying to do right now is just seeing if the predicted 1 part in 10 million distortion of space shows up under lab conditions that they're predicting. That's a long stretch from the one-to-one -one sort of distortion that they need to make a worthwhile warp drive. I mean, it took us a whole year to do that with nuclear fission. Getting one step closer to the edge, and I'm about to go warp. It took a whole year, man. It took a whole year for us to get the hang of nuclear fission. I mean, God only knows how long it's going to take to get a hold of warp drive once they, once they prove it in the lab. I mean, it could take, like, two years or something. I know. That's insane. I'm, like, impatient. We need it now. I mean, it's been, like, what? It's been, like, 50 years since it was on Star Trek, almost. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean... Seriously, I had my cell phone. I had my flip cell phone in, in 30 years. What the hell's a big deal? I don't know. These NASA guys—they've been so busy with like other things. I guess. just haven't gotten around to it yet. They're like, trying to keep us happy with tricorders and communicators and stuff. I have my phaser either. The awesome thing is that you know, just a few episodes ago, we were talking about all the cuts, especially in NASA. Yeah. And yet, little things like this do keep coming out. So I'm glad to see that still there is research happening at NASA. In the show notes, we'll have a link to the article. And I did some digging around on the NASA site and actually found this guy's presentation and a simple diagram of the experiment he wants to do. The experiment doesn't look that hard. I mean, it's not like you go down to your hardware store and pick up this stuff. But if you were in the dark and scary corners of eBay, you might be able to. And of course, they're not going to give away the whole experiment just like right here because they don't want to get scooped on it or anything. But they put together the sort of apparatus, really not that complicated. I mean, I'm not, I'm not telling you I understand it or anything. Like, I'm not going to go build it this weekend, but there's like four parts, and they just have to keep refining it till they see if their measurements are right. I'm also going to link into a, a page that has the naysayers, people who are like, yeah, this is a fun experiment, and people like to use it to teach relativity to high school kids, but uh, not, not going to happen. So the, grain of salt, everyone, grain of salt. But I don't know. It's, it's exciting stuff, very exciting. Please, Spock, do me a favor, and don't say it's fascinating. No. But it is interesting. All right, captains, discover something that you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about? Then send it over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Let's check out what happened in Star Trek Online News. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. In this July State of the Game address, executive producer Dan Stahl opens with a big thanks to the community and the players of STO for their ongoing support. He explains that he's grateful to have a community that's so vocal about their opinions <clears throat> and welcomes us to continue to share our thoughts about the game and ways to improve the experience. 
With regards to Ryza, he announced that the summer event has been extended a few days and is now going through until August 4th, so keep collecting those pearls. As has also already been confirmed in our on-site interview with the development team at Cryptic, Season 8 is coming, and they're calling it Season 8 now, and it's scheduled to be released later this year. Dan writes, Much like Season 7, this next season will be focused on new endgame missions for all factions. It will introduce our first Space Adventure Zone, along with several new events designed to challenge maximum level captains by facing off against a deadly new enemy that was introduced in Star Trek Voyager. Quote. He also hints that the coming featured episode will bridge the story thus far with the new season and will advance the Iconian plot. And he goes on to discuss a few more features coming down the pipeline, but head on over to the Stowe website to read the post. All right, Elijah, so what are you taking out of this uh, State of the Game address? Oh, you know, not much. Other than him saying, quote, We are excited to announce that Star Trek Online will also be making a major investment in Gateway to bring some great new features to web and mobile devices that both enhance and expand the STO gameplay. What? I am so excited about this. I can't wait to have it on my iPhone and my iPad. I can't wait to have it on my Android device. (laughs) But, Captains, a lot of what he discussed in the state of the game was brought up in our on-site interview that was released on episode 136 of Priority One. And as well as our supplemental interview with Our Vera that was released on Friday, July 19th. So, if you haven't already, check out those episodes on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Honestly, I'm still looking forward to how they plan to bring Stowe into the mobile world. I can't wait for them to figure out how to do the DOFs, because that's the thing. I will get no more work done ever once they get the DOFs onto a mobile platform. Just checking messages here. You know, just just reading my email. Just, you know, uh, uh, double-checking on something from somebody here. Nothing at all. That's what I'm doing. I'm working. This is work, what I'm doing. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> right. Oh, what's that? What's that? Okay, all right. It's, uh, Elijah, who's, who's the new bad guy? Who's the new bad guy? No, they didn't share with that. We know that it's not the Kazon. It's a new villain, something from Voyager. You'll have to listen Nobody... to our show for that kind of information, so we'll see. Nobody's here. You can tell me. <laughs> I have a guess. You want to hear my guess? I was What's not there guess? cryptic. I didn't go through the hallowed halls, so there's no way I could know unless my psychic powers are kicking in and telling me. It's the Voth. You think? I think so. Right. I might have to put a bet on some dim sum for that, perhaps for next year's Star Trek convention. But, uh, all right, Captains, what are you most looking forward to? Is it the Gateway? Is it the new featured episode? What about that new Endgame content that they've been talking about? Let us know in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com or on the Star Trek Online forums. All right, now moving on to the next bit of Stowe news. Ships, ships, and more ships. That's more right. What? In the Ships. More ships. More ships. That's right. In the first post on uh, Star Trek Online, we are introduced to the new Mogai Retrofit and Valdor. Now, these are both Sea Store ships that can be purchased on the Zen Store. So the Mogai Heavy Warbird Retrofit will set you back 2,000 Zen, while the Valdor Heavy Warbird will set you back 1,000 Zen. Now, each one comes with its own unique console that, when combined will give you the Enhanced Weapon Systems Efficiency Set, which moderately increases your resistance to abilities that drain your weapon power. In addition, it decreases the weapon power usage of your direct energy weapons. And finally, it provides a minor bonus to weapon power. Now, the Mogai Heavy Warbird Retrofit comes with its own console titled the ionized particle beam console where the valdor heavy warbird comes with its own console called the shield absorptive frequency generator console there's already an ability out there that does what this shield absorptive frequency generator does and what it does is that it shoots the enemy and when it shoots the enemy it also gives you shield bonus your energy weapons fire sometimes causes your target shield to bleed back via the beam of your ship so it regenerates your shields I could have sworn there was already an ability for that, but I'm forgetting something. But anywho, what about you, you Captain? Don't fly every single ship in the game, Elijah, and use uh, every I single know, power right? all at once. Uh, and, and I don't have them memorized. <sighs> Pish posh Man. for me. Man. Why do you, why you have a podcast? So, I don't know. So are you looking at getting any of these <laughs> ships, Tony? No, 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 no. I told you I was going to go through the campaign 1 to 40 in my junker, and I did. 
And my reward to myself for doing that was now I'm in my uh, fleet retrofit Tavaro, the little tiny escort, with my Romulan super torpedo of doom. And I ain't changing. These are all very beautiful, pretty ships, and they're all very nice and stuff, and the artwork is gorgeous, and I'm sure the consoles are interesting. I have my ideal Romulan ship with its torpedo of doom, and I'm a happy boy. Well, good for you. Well, what about you, Captains? <laughs> oh, good for you. <laughs> well, Captains, will you be purchasing these ships? If so, which one? What are your thoughts on their consoles? Sound off in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now, we're not done talking about ships. Right, Tony? Oh, no. No, we're not done. So we hear from Brand Flakes, and he makes a post on the Danos Heavy Destroyer, the 1,000-day veteran reward ship for all of you lifetime subscribers and those of you patient enough to pay your subscription fee for 1,000 days. This is the equivalent to the Chimera Destroyer and the Klingon ship, whose name escapes me at the moment, but which I also have, with the Lotus Power. This is where you have the uh, energy beam weapon that shoots out in a variety of directions and destroys pretty, well, not destroys, but damages a number of targets around you. Also, in its passive or regenerative mode, it has another vampire power, kind of a shield-sucking tachyon beam that takes your opponent's shield power and gives it back to you. So uh, if you have the Chimera and you like it, then you'll also like this veteran ship from the Romulans. This is the one that you saw on our YouTube video, the sneak preview with the animations and the uh, artwork. And it just went live today as this show has been recorded. Elijah, have you snuck in game and uh, claimed yours yet? No, 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 I have not. But I do fly the Chimera. So once I'm ready to max out that Rami even further, yes, I will be most certainly be using this ship. And, and the video that... Tony was talking about can be found on youtube.com forward slash STO priority one. Uh, and it's our away mission. It's a great video, Tony. Great job on that video. Oh, it really turned out very well. We've had several plus remarks about it. So if you haven't already, Almost be sure to check that out. out there. It's true. So watch it, rewatch it. So don't forget to leave your comments. We'd love to hear from you guys. And if you enjoyed the video, let us know. But that's not all you get in the veteran rewards, right? You also get new costume, an actual costume for your tune, uh, three new uniforms, as well as the special veteran uniform option. And I, I like the uniform option. I think it's uh, it's quite sleek. Yeah, they look, they look good, and I think they've wisely did not hold up the whole expansion just to get the vet rewards in there because, you know, lifetime subscribers are a, a small but important subset of the uh, player base. But uh, now they've brought the uh, Romulan faction up to speed, and uh, everybody who's a lifetimer has some more of their goodies. They've also got the vet skin for your existing ships, and it looks pretty sharp, too. It kind of takes the same look of the Danos Warbird and puts it onto uh, existing ships, so... That's pretty cool. I imagine you're going to see a bunch of those run around out there, kind of a silvery gray look on the Romulan instead of the green. I may slap that on my Tavaro. Yeah, that's a nice material. And, uh, you know, I'm a fan of the long jacket for the veterans. I, I really like that long Romulan jacket. That's, that's pretty sleek. So I might be rocking that. All right, so that takes care of the veteran rewards. Moving on to devlog number 34, we have the Dilithium Mine Featured Project number three. <gasps> now, what? How yes, exciting. I know. Now, if uh, again, going back to our YouTube channel, if you visit youtube.com forward slash STO priority one, you will have seen a fully decked out tier three dilithium mine. Now, this fleet project is called business as usual. And as fleets continue to expand their mines, additional opportunities have become available for those seeking to make a career out of mining. According to the post, enhancements will be made to your fleet dilithium mine. Upon completion of this project, the Federation and Klingon Defense Force, along with the Romulan Republic allies, have extended contracts to many new workers looking to boldly go where no miner has gone before. So, Tony? I'm confused. Do you mean that we're getting a bunch of rookie miners who have never been in a dilithium mine before? It would seem so. I want a refund. It would seem so. I want a <laughs> refund. I don't, I don't want to pay for no rookie miners going into where no miner has gone before. I, just, just, yeah, I, 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 demand, I demand a refund immediately. It's another cosmetic project, and we, we've, we've been around and around with the devs on this issue. They're not going away, and they do... If you looked at the video, the place does look cool. I mean, it does, once, you, once you've got it all tricked out, it is an amazing environment. Heck, you might want to just unlock all the tiers of your dilithium mine just so you can go to that cave. That cave where you can do the dilithium daily. 
Man, the environment team at STO is first rate. So be sure to check out the latest project. It'll be available from around 10 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time on Thursday, July 25th until August 8th until around 7 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time, whichever is earlier. So be sure to get that project done if your fleet's into this kind of stuff. Well, and finally in Stone News, we've had a patch hit. The carrier UI has finally gone over to Holodeck. If you watched our video, you saw a little bit of the uh, UI in action there and heard a little bit about it or will hear a little bit about it in our interviews. But it's gone over to Holodeck along with the fighter mechanic that improves those fighters. So no more sending your red shirts out to die. The game will now reward you if you keep them alive for more than the 30 seconds that it used to take them for to cross the evil vastness of space and get fried by lasers. Keep those red shirts healthy, kids, and they'll go up five levels for you and improve their DPS and viability. But be careful, they're tracking down a bug that occurs when you relaunch Tholian Meshweavers, Jemadar attack ships, Fergi frigates, Bird of Prey raiders, Marauding Force, and Stalker fighters. Apparently, there's a bit of a problem. You relaunch something, and the, all the qualities get reset. So, might want to load a different hangar pet for now until they get that bug tracked down and squashed. Also, a couple more interesting things. All instances of the word Corvette that refer to the Ryzen Corvette have had the capitalization of the letter C removed. I think somebody over at Chevrolet got wind of them selling Corvettes in Star Trek. Probably they still have the copyright in the 25th century. Also, uh, here's something that's going to make some people a little bit perturbed. The Tour of the Universe event now has a four-hour cooldown. That's right. All you guys who have uh, specced out your ships to uh, hop around the universe to pick up those energy credit rewards multiple times per hour, so sorry. That will no longer be possible. And uh, there's a whole bunch of other things going on on the uh, patch notes. Go check them out. If uh, anything strikes you as odd or interesting, let us know on the feedback, and we'll look into it for you. All right, and last but certainly not least is the recent press release from Trek Radio discussing the highlights of this year's Creation Entertainment official Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. As you already know, the Enterprise D-Bridge will be there, and some fun little festivities will be happening, including a Klingon invasion of the bridge, some trouble with uh, Tribble Toys, celebrity interviews, a very special renewal of vowels, as well as visits from friends over at Geek Nation Tours, the G&T Show, Gates of Stovacore, and so many more. There will be a panel this year hosted by Trek Radio and Massively, featuring the Star Trek online team, those who are, will be in attendance, and there'll be a second panel featuring Denise Crosby. She will be at the convention this year, and she'll be part of one of the panels. So we encourage you to check out the press release, especially if you're going to be going to this year's convention, and be aware of the awesomeness that will be happening this year. And be sure to stay tuned and follow us on Twitter and Facebook and subscribe to our feeds at feeds.priorityonepodcast.com for all the latest from the Star Trek convention this year. Well, that wraps up Star Trek Online News. Let's move forward into our interview with content lead Charles Gray. Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization Sisko Alpha 1 Alpha. So for round two of our uh, interviews here at Cryptic Studios, we are joined by content lead Charles Gray. Now, this is a new title for you, correct, sir? Brand making new. All right, talk to us a little bit about that transition. What did you do before, and then now what are you responsible for? So I've been a content designer on Star Trek since before launch, Um, just making stuff for the game. Uh, Started off making Klingon content, of all things, and uh, sort of... Gradually, it was newer and newer stuff. Um, For a while, I was uh, working to try and develop brand new systems for uh, the game. So I was on the Invasion maps when that was brand new, working on the Borg Invasion of Deferra, trying to figure out what that meant for the game, trying to give an idea. And that sort of led to New Romulus and the idea of an adventure zone, a static map where everyone could play together. Um, And so through that sort of... um, ended up more in roles of trying to come up with process and figuring out the best ways to do things. And uh, we've had a whole bunch of new hires, so I've been mentoring a lot of people on the team. And so it was sort of a natural transition for me to take over the content lead position when Scott decided that he was moving on to another role inside the company. 
Now, it's a content team, so how big is your team right now? Uh, team is eight people. Well, talk to us a little bit about your average day now. Now is the, the lead content. Oh, average day. What's on your whiteboard? <laughs> well, whiteboard, I just cleaned off because I was cleaning, uh, clearing a bunch of jeers related to UGC because we got new validation from Neverwinter. And that just generated a whole list of new errors. And so I just went and cleaned up. It was adding a flag to maps, nothing terribly important. Um, but my day now is a lot of reading emails, a lot of going to meetings, a lot of checking in with people. Um, which is actually great because I get to play people's in-progress missions and give feedback and help to drive that iterative cycle that we really want to make a part of the development process. All right, so we're going to now channel Tony's psychic future-telling abilities. And I'm going to do my best to try to channel Tony here since he's not with us. Here's the question, and then, you know, let's see if we can uh, channel Tony. I'll try to channel right, Tony here. here. So, is there anything new coming to the gateway? The wonderful gateway. Okay, I'm going to ch try to channel Tony's mm. predictive response of what Charles <laughs> is going to say here. All right, and what do you let's think? see, let's what see. Do, what's coming to All right, hold on. Um, he says that Charles' answer will be that the team is hard at work bringing new f gateway features online. Okay, all right, I'm, so good. I'm good. I'm good. A lot of numbers? A lot of numbers? So what, what do you think? Is that an accurate, is that an accurate uh, response to that question? Is there anything new coming to the gateway? Uh, there is something new in the works. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> can't get too much more in detail than that. Ta-da! <laughs> Tony was not Spoiler that far alert. off. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. We're, we're currently trying to scope it and figure out what it is, but there are people trying to answer the question of what does Star Trek want to do with the gateway. Right. Nice. There are a lot of awesome ideas out there, and it's paring it down to what can we realistically deliver and when. And sure. Now, to my understanding, Neverwinter has a pretty robust uh, online gateway type of inter uh, interface, correct? Are uh, you guys looking and, and keeping an eye on the success of that and trying to... So there's a, a core team that's responsible for programming gateway, and so um, they help to... I mean, because we have to work through them, they, they help to bridge that communication between what we're doing and what uh, Neverwinter's done. Uh, Neverwinter has had su some success uh, expanding on, you know, just the general functionality of, you know, armory type stuff and checking in with your guild. Uh, they have their entire profession system up there, uh, which is what they use for crafting. Uh, and so we saw that as a huge success for Neverwinter, and that's why we really wanted to push further development for Gateway for Star Trek. Honestly, I think it's it's the way to go. I mean, mm -hmm. everything's on mobile. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to be able to check in with yeah, your, yeah, your yeah. character in game without logging into the mm -hmm. full game. And... Are you an Android user yourself or iPhone? iPhone. iPhone? Yeah. I'm gonna have to leave this interview now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving now. All right, so, um, yeah. So our next question comes from uh, Darth Granick. So the big question is, is, is it ever gonna be 2410. We have some really awesome story ideas coming up, and I think in order to tell them properly, we will need to advance the timeline. Hey, because it's been a long freaking year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah if yeah. you really think like everything your character's gone through, if you've been in since like day I mean, one, you're like, this is the longest year. You'd like <laughs> retire after that year, you know? <laughs> and, I mean, and there's been some huge cataclysmic events that would change the nature of relationships Everything. and yeah. what people are doing in the universe. And so I think we, we're we really trying to figure out how to tell that story, that, that sort of time progression in an MO setting where you can go back and forth between zones. And you know, if you end up back in the first Klingon sector, I mean, is it still 2409? Is right. it 2410? Like, how does that change? That is tricky, yeah, because yeah. I, I guess you never really think of it that way as a player, mm -hmm. you know, because we don't have to worry about the mechanics of how the game does it. We just want it to do it, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I guess that's true. Well, that's also lining up timelines for, like, for Romulans. You know, you start the game, um, you start in the game at the same time as everyone else. You know, I think in the tutorial well, it said it's two weeks. Prequel, right? Yeah, it's, it's two weeks before Vega or something, which right. is that tutorial. Mm -hmm. And so how did those... Yeah stories line up. Yeah, and for other expansions, as Al mentioned earlier, you guys are looking at maybe a whole other expansion we are. in a year or so. So, I mean, yeah, all these things are always going to have to end up yeah. tying to one point in time, but then coming back to the present. Yeah, you're really going to need sort of those those um, 
anchors, huh? Yeah, anchor points of, of history. <laughs> gotcha. Nice. You know, instead of a gas station here, it's, you know, this is the Vega Colony event or whatever it is. Are there any plans to look into different styles of play at the end game to reverse the DPS-centric trend? Uh, we are always looking to come up with better and bigger end game. Al teased a little bit about uh, the future uh, of the next season that it would be going back to end game a little bit. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah. The next season is end game focused. Um, we're. I mean, I think Star Trek has always tried to deliver as broad of an experience as possible. And so we've realized that STFs are very single-mindedly focused, and so we're trying to expand that out. Um, what would you like to see? Um, you're never going to satisfy one audience, so you're going to need to sort of deliver a lot of small things. And so I, I think we're, we're going in the right direction on that front. So we're going to jump into some listener questions here right now. And uh, Ruminate00 asks, A lot of Star Trek episodes deal with problems that occur on their own starship. Will we see any future Stow episodes that take place within a player's uh, ship? Uh, I would love it. I, I think that's a great idea. Unfortunately, because of the way we implemented the player ship interior system, there are so many maps that could possibly be used by a player for their own interior of their ship that it's, it's very unfeasible at this moment. So we need to sort of figure out a better way to construct a mission that would take place across all those maps. Because um, if basically, if you look at it, every single potential bridge in the game that you could choose is a separate map. And so having the same content across all of that is is really hard. <laughs> yeah, that would be difficult. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, you almost have to use the formula you guys have already used by having like a generic ship when you go on someone else's ship because it's yeah. a set map that yeah. you guys... And I, I think we're, we're finding a lot of success with things like uh, Temporal Ambassador where if we want like the iconic ship moment, we give you, you know, the Enterprise C to fly in. Um, so, I mean, that may be sort of more of the, the direction we go where it's a special episode where you're flying a specific ship for that episode and then yeah. you, you end up on the interior for that ship. Yeah have, yeah, have the problem on board an iconic ship or something where mm -hmm. it's the, always the same. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah, yeah that, that's cool. I like that. Good, good way of going about that. Yeah. Anzania Deet and Mogulai ask, are there any plans to add some new, possibly non-Borg SDS to the queue? Uh, sort of relating back to the, the question we were talking about earlier, I think because we've realized that STFs are so focused at a specific population of the game, I think we're trying to um, sort of make it broader. And so I think we're going to try and shift more in the direction of five-man queued events that we currently have, but then having elite versions of those. Um, and so you can get the, the difficulty and the challenge of, of doing, you know, no wins in Azure Nebulas, and it's, um, you know, sort of that like graded curve where you can, you know, someone go, comes through and can get a, a baseline reward, but then if you're really awesome, you can get a super excellent reward. And then if we add elite versions on top of that where the baseline reward table for completing the elite version is, you know, even better. And then if you can do super awesome with the elite, I think that's sort of the direction we want to go in. Very cool. That's a good idea. Um, I've actually seen, I've actually seen it now. Some people have hit and, and passed all ten waves of no one. Uh, that's crazy. It's out there. I know. I, I've <laughs> only personally gotten to eight, but I've seen, I've seen it. I've seen it pop across my screen. They beat it. Uh, we knew waves. it was going to happen someday. It took a long time, though. There's, <laughs> there are a lot of internal bets uh, when that was getting tested as to you know even how far QA could get with as much like high-end gear that they could give themselves. Yeah. Uh, and so there are a lot of chocolate bars that were actually passed around as the <laughs> prize for winning those bets. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, I run with a pretty tough crew, and, and I mean, we have all the tippy-top gadgets, you know, and, and we and still have top out. a gnarly, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's a brutal thing. That's why it, I think it comes down almost more to, I mean, even once you have the top-end stuff, it, it comes down to strategy, man. Yeah. You gotta have that right, you know, healer group sitting on there and the right attack group and then, you know, hitting the way. But that's what we really right. wanted. We wanted an experience that people could play over and over and challenge themselves and push themselves to get to that next thing. So the fact that you're still playing it and trying for I'm trying. wave nine now. I am. I'm uh, going, man. Like, that, that's really great and reassuring to hear. Yeah, it's awesome. It's really cool. But I was, I mean, I was really, because it's just been in like the last 
two or three weeks that I really started seeing it pop across that people were beating Wave 9. And then the one day I was like, I was actually talking to somebody else about uh-huh. it. And, and while I was talking to them, I was saying, yeah, I just saw somebody else. the other day, they got Wave 9. And like, while I said that, it's like, bling, <laughs> Wave 10. And I'm like, what? Someone just beat it, like completely. And wow. they're like, what, are you serious? I'm like, yes, I just saw it. Said so the, the whole, and I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, so there's some crazy combo with a Romulan ship that no one was thinking about. Maybe, yeah, yeah I don't know. Like, I, I gotta learn it because uh, I want that strategy, man. I want to get there. scimitars with their Thalon weapons. Some, yeah, I mean, who knows what the combo is that they threw together? Because I've tried a bunch of different stuff, but it's it's tough. I mean, I I definitely think you guys built, and, and I mean that was the iconic mission to do it with, of course. You yeah, know, that's your standard Kobayashi Maru, basically, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took a long time before anybody got there, and it's still the few that have. You know, that's extremely hard. So might have to go out a wave eleven and twelve now. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be like God to be it. <laughs> or Q, or Q, or Q. Right. <laughs> so uh, Rico Rosebud asks, "What are the team's plans for um, revamping exploration? And uh, are you still thinking along the lines of a foundry sector?" Exploration is sort of uh, a key to the IP, and uh, it's it's something that we sort of frequently gut check ourselves on. Where it's you know how can we make this more track, and that's sort of you know generally what we're we, we feel we are lacking. And so there, there's always ideas floating around of what how we can fix that, how we can add more exploration. Uh, I mean, Foundry is a, a great way to do it. Unfortunately. With Neverwinter, the, the Foundry tech has sort of branched out, and so all the cool things that Neverwinter can do with their Foundry, we can't do in Star Trek yet, um, because it, it just takes work to sort of port it and sort of change up our Foundry, and since ours was sort of built in one way, we're afraid of destroying what's already out there if we completely switch it immediately. And so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're looking at expanding Foundry. Um, that's always something we love seeing the players run with because they do a fantastic job with a lot of their missions. In fact, I have yeah. a, a note on my whiteboard to play a couple Foundry missions um, right I've, now. I've always heard, like, every, you know, there's a million ideas out there for mm-hmm. how to, to do the exploration. And, of course, everyone wants, like, the Foundry sector was... Right, yeah, the, the Foundry sector was the, the one I've yeah, seen. Yeah, I, like I keep that, seeing yeah. that. And that, I thought that was brilliant, to just pop a sector, put out X amount of whatever worlds or whatever discover in, in each world that you click, hit, whatever, when you go into sector, it basically randomly spawns a foundry mission. So you yeah, basically come cool. across whatever. I, I mean, what I would love to see is sort of a, a reputation system as a sector where it's... Um, Exploration? Sort of, uh, reputation? Uh, yeah, so that way nice. it's uh, like first contact. So you fly into a sector, don't know anything, flying around, discover, you know, pre-warp civilization here, yeah, uh, that'd be fun. you know, warp civilization there, and then you get to do all the diplomacy and exploration at the same time. Yeah. That's um, it. So, I'll send my Android down so you can have a circuit fry yeah. and then... Yeah. And then your reputation <laughs> holding gets to be one of those blinds that's camouflaged into the rocks when you're... Oh, yeah. That would be... Yeah. Oh, yeah. How <laughs> cool would that be? And whenever they build a new arcs, yeah. it's cloaked and you yeah. have a death line up there. Yeah. <laughs> that would be really cool. So Sterling191 asked that... Uh, well, he brings up the point that when Dilithium was introduced, it seemed to have been marketed as being the universal representation of a player's time in game. But now we're at a point where players have to juggle even more currencies than they did before the dilithium conversion. Sterling asks, how did we get here again? Like, How did we get to the point where there are still now more currencies, more ways to transact? I mean, it, it's really easy to add extra currencies, and if you're doing special one-off events, like the winter event, um, it's, it's really easy. It, it, you want to have people come play this specific content. And so to do that, you add a new currency that they can only get here, that they can only get from doing the new special thing, and that forces them to go there to get it and then get the cool stuff that you get for doing you know, Q's wonderful, wonderful winter wonderland. Um, and yeah, at, at this point, we probably need to you know, do another condensing down of currencies because of that. Um, but... It, I mean, we we're keep on introducing new stuff to the game, and we love showing it off, and that's a way we can guarantee that people are going to see it. Um, that's really what it comes down to. Um, so, I mean, yeah, at this point, we could probably fix a lot of the old stuff and roll it back to something else, but um, 
well, we'll just have to <laughs> look at that on a case-by-case -case basis. Okay. Well, we're at the point of the interview where uh, we open the mic to you, sir, and you get to tell us all the amazing things we can look forward to in the spoilers in the, uh, <laughs> in the coming weeks or months. Any spoilers you can offer? Well, we are hard at work on the next season, which is endgame focused, and uh, just did a round of pitches from all the designers last week, and all of them got approved, and it looks wow. like it's going to be a fantastic season. Wow. New location, new enemy group, uh, yeah, that's, that's cool. We're going to introduce it with a featured episode, uh, sort of along the lines of what we did uh, or how Temporal Ambassador sort of fl uh, flowed into Legacy of Romulus. It, it, I mean, story-wise, I guess it didn't, but we had Denise Crosby at our disposal, and so we did a Tashiar episode, then had her around also for Sela. And so I think we're going to try and do a, a little bit more of a, a story introduction into this next season. And so that'll be a one-off episode, get a special ship for participating in it. So Wonderful. no special currency, just a special ship. Okay. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to where we're going. Well, Charles, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to what comes down the, uh, the pipeline in the coming months. It's been fun talking with everyone, and uh, thanks for having me. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. All right, this is coming to us from both Star Trek Online forum posts, the one that Brandon posted with his front page coverage and the one that Gen X also posted. Chaplin, Midnight Shadow 7, Starfish, 1701, Siamese, ex of Borg X, and Otis Noble all commented about how pleased they were with the interviews and videos. Thank you so very much, everyone who took the time to listen to the interviews. We do it for you guys, and it was very much a pleasure to be at Cryptic Studios. So stay tuned for more in the coming weeks. We still have a few interviews to publish. And we also heard from Amaroxic. He says 1 to 50 KDF progression won't cut it if you don't give any incentive to play a red side. When it comes to gear, players usually weigh their options when choosing a side. In your game, it's not much of a choice when you see the Z store. If you're serious about balancing this game faction-wise, you can compensate by throwing some more effort, making the red side attractive for new players. That or merge the factions end of the war and make the game a PvE fest. That doesn't need any balancing. Everybody's happy, savvy? I kind of sort of see his point. We've always had the chicken and egg argument about, uh, you know, you know, flesh out the faction 1 to 50. Maybe people will come play more. If they solved it, they decided to go with egg. They put the story in there, and now we just got to see if a chicken comes out of it, whether the numbers on the Klingon side ramp up. But he's got a point here, uh, Amaroxic does, that you also have to have stuff for people to play with, you know, toys to keep playing in the sandbox you built. So hopefully uh, we, we got some hints of some additional ships that were coming out for the Sea Store from Al on that interview, but uh, hopefully they, we see some more in-game ships for the Klingons out there. Well, I mean, PvP, though, is a little lackluster, and, and it takes a lot to really enjoy the PvP aspect of this game, and, and it's very underwhelming. And they've outright acknowledged that. So hopefully they'll improve PvP so that there is a better feeling of red versus blue between the Klingons and the Federation. Yeah, and a good step to that will be getting lots of fun gear for the Klingons to play with and that high-level, top-level PvP stuff. And in our other Priority One channels, Tatus writes, well, actually, I won't really quote the commenter Tatus directly, but he was good enough to point out a gap in our coverage regarding the PvP in our interviews, what I just brought up. And it's understood. When we have limited time, we try to focus on subjects that we are reasonably sure will elicit an actual answer from the developers. Al has been on our show several times and has given us the roadmap. First, they steal Neverwinter's map tools, or at least somebody's map tech, and then they revamp PvP. When it's coming, we'll know, and you'll probably hear it here first. But, be that as it may, it's not the first, nor will it be the last time, that we interview cryptic developers. So, if you have questions for them, oh, no. be on the lookout on the Star Trek Online forum threads when we post for you to submit your questions. And we have a comment from our YouTube channel. The AJ Collection writes in, ha 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 ha, brilliant. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. 
All right, coming to us via Facebook, Dan writes, what's this about a bear dance emote? And Ryan wants to know more about the bear dance uh, emote too. So Adrienne promises that she's pretty decent at it and promises to show us all at Star Trek Las Vegas. So we'll, we'll be sure to have a video for that. Are those one of those things that's going to stay in Vegas? When Probably not. Vegas? Probably not. Okay, okay, good. Well, and over on Twitter, we want to thank everyone who has followed us recently, and especially those who retweeted our exciting final countdown moments of the Indiegogo project. We appreciate everybody and their help getting that project some more visibility and getting that uh, those final donors in with their final bits of money to drag us over the finish line. Thanks very much to everybody. And we've got some email from Azurian Star. Well, let's boil it down here. So, Stahl, where's that help for small fleets you promised? Waiting until Season 8 is way too late. And Azurian Star's sentiments were echoed uh, by a, a contributor named Ska on our website. And I had a comment or two on this. It got me thinking, help better be coming. I've got a character in the Priority One fleet, and we're a small fleet. And since almost day one in the game, I've been with another small fleet. And, you know, we're, we don't have the 25 active members that they say that they're calculating the star-based construction costs for. We don't have that. And uh, it's a grind. It really is a grind. And I predicted a couple of shows ago that the next fleet holding would be something aimed at some sort of trading, some sort of help for small fleets to get help from uh, large fleets to sort of balance out that credit, fleet credit imbalance where you have small fleets that have too much fleet credit in order to spend it and larger fleets that have plenty of things to spend the fleet credits on but not enough ways to generate the fleet credits. I'm going to stand by that prediction for now. I really think that's going to be the next holding. Probably won't be until Season 8. Sorry, Azurian Star, but I think that's when it's going to come. But I really got to think that one thing we hear from the developers a lot is that they have lots of data. Uh, Cryptic gets lots of data. They get uh, perfect worlds, knowledge and experience of their player bases, and they've got, uh, I'm sure, intimate shots of how we spend our time in-game from Star Trek Online. But I, I want to just caution them that maybe it's not just about the data. Maybe you got to think a little bit more about, well, what would you do in other people's shoes. Get out in front of the data is what I'm saying. Think ahead from the player side. And we know they do. We know that they've got plans for the season after season after season and where they want the story to go. But I really would like to have some assurances that the different kinds of social structures, not only the big fleets, but also the small fleets or the individual players, also can unlock or at least have a chance to unlock all the goodies whether that's via a new crafting mechanism or whether it's making the Tier 5 Starbase stores a little easier to get to, whatever. I think that might be the next sort of conceptual philosophical hurdle the team needs to tackle, and i really like to see them do that. All right, Captains, we want to hear from all of you. Do you have an idea for the show? Did we talk about something that got you thinking? Maybe you disagree. Well, send us your Maybe. thoughts and feedback to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com or catch us on Facebook, Twitter, or the Star Trek Online forums. Don't forget to answer this week's community questions that we posed during Star Trek Online news. Well, that wraps up episode 137, recorded live on trekradio.net. Remember that we're on air every Thursday night at 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific, but we are taking next week off to prep for Star Trek Las Vegas. Captain's got something to say? Join our team as a guest blogger on PriorityOnePodcast.com. If you've got other skills you believe could enhance our website's content, reach out to us via email at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. We always say it. We love hearing from you, our listeners. If you have a suggestion, an idea, or a topic for Trek It Out or perhaps our Field Notes segment, or you have general feedback for the show, you can reach us with our online form on PriorityOnePodcast.com or via email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can also catch us on Facebook or Twitter. And fleet member or not, you can always chat with the team by joining our in-game chat channel. In the Star Trek Online chat box, just type forward slash channel underscore join space Priority One. You can get up-to-the-minute news from Priority One Podcast by visiting our social media websites. Head over to facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast and give us a like. Or check us out on Twitter via at Stowe Priority One for showtimes and other cool stuff. Captain's Priority One is brought to us by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please visit PriorityOnePodcast.com to find out how you can help support the show. And a very big thank you to everyone who helped support our Indiegogo project. Now... If you're going to go to Star Trek Las Vegas, then be sure to visit PriorityOnePodcast.com, visit our store, buy yourself a t-shirt, and wear it to the convention. 
buy a t-shirt. Do we sell t-shirts now? That we do. A very special thanks to the entire team over at Cryptic Studios and to Al Rivera for hosting the team's visit. Way to go, guys. A special thanks this week to Charles Gray and the time he took out of his day for the interview. Thanks to the entire team over at PriorityOnePodcast.com, our art director, Alex Calderwood, our audio engineer and web developer, Lennon Rich. Thanks, Scotty. Justin Lowmaster, our audio assistant, and the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com, our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio, and of course, the STO community. Without you, none of this would be possible. See you in Vegas, everybody. Enemy ship on sensors. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. to our entire team over at the PriorityOnePodcast.com website, our art director, Alex Calderwood. How many times have I said Calderwood? Calderwood. It's always Calderwood. Calderwood. Wait. Uh, oh, I see how I see what I wrote there. Who wrote that? Me! Yes. That's why. Man, who, who wrote this show? God. <laughs> okay. 50 monkeys on a typewriter could have done a better job. Jeez. Shut up, 50 monkeys. Okay. <laughs> Now we can bring the bridge of the enter. Well, we got another tip from our favorite technology. Tri- uh, now I can't read what I wrote. It's going around. It's all your <laughs> fault. Oh, it all looks your like a fault. monkey. A monkey with fifty <laughs> fingers wrote this. So uh, no, no, no. It's a fifty. Never mind. I'll, I'll tell you the insult <laughs> again later. We'll practice. Uh, Chaplin, Midnight Shadow 7, Starfish 1701, Siamese, X Locutus of Borg X, and Otis Noble all commented about how pleased they were. Oh, shit. Merchandising!